Hello and welcome back to the Be Her Village podcast. I'm Janelle and we are Be Her Village, a gift registry for expectant moms to register for pregnancy, birth, and postpartum support. Yes, I said support. So instead of registering for embossed newborn towels or bouncers or stroller attachments, moms-to-be can register for doulas, childbirth ed classes, or pregnancy and postpartum fitness classes. When loved ones contribute to a mom's Be Her Village registry, the funds go directly into the mom's account and then she can pay for her support team when she needs them. Today's episode is one that's near and dear to my heart as a longtime CrossFitter. Caitlin, the founder of Be Her Village, interviews Trish Evangelista, owner of Babylon CrossFit. She's a certified CrossFit level two coach, a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach through the program with Brianna Battles. And I'll give a heads up now that this episode dives into a fairly traumatic pregnancy and birth experience, but at the same time, it's actually a really common hospital experience that Trish had. So if you're sensitive to this kind of thing, please be advised. But also if you want to hear about like what actually goes on in a typical hospital system, this might be um, this might be an episode to listen to. This episode really highlights the importance of being educated and having a support team before going into birth. Trish is generous and vulnerable in showing her birth experience and how she's using it to empower other women to seek out professionals who truly care. Although Trish owns and runs a gym, she's about so much more than just fitness. Trish wants people, and especially women, to know that they aren't alone in their stories and that there are resources available to help them thrive. Trish is a community supporter, lifelong learner, and true resource for those who are willing to learn. Trish's gym is located in Babylon on Long Island. They just moved to a beautiful new location, so if you're on Long Island and you're in need of a lifestyle change, go see Trish. And it's also a kid-friendly gym, and that's a major bonus. I'm going to link all of Trish's info in the show notes so you can get in touch with her or find her gym. And don't forget to share Be Her Village with a mom-to-be so she can line up her support systems before her baby arrives. Like always, we appreciate your support in this journey. We're reaching more moms and families daily, and it's so awesome to know that they're getting the support that they deserve. Enjoy the episode. How are you doing, like, just generally? I'm doing well. We just moved locations, and, like, I'm in the midst of that. Yeah, so I I tripled my space. Um, So it has been a wild week. Uh, it's a wild week for me next week. Like all great things. It's just very, very busy. Wow. So definitely not complaining, but I am exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> Tell, uh, I mean, why, let's just jump in. So you tripled your space. What is it because you're growing? Is it because like all the moms are like, hi, Trish, I need to be part of this. What, like what? Um, not necessarily all moms, but a good amount of moms. I think um, I've definitely given moms like a, a place they can feel confident and safe, which is cool. Um, I've honestly made a lot of friends just based on because they they needed to find a gym where they felt safe and their children felt welcomed um, and that they could get a workout in. And that was always like my main goal when I wanted to buy my affiliate was to find a place that because like, I knew we were going to have a kid and, and it was like, I had to figure out a job that I can do both things and have a place for my son to be there with me. And, and while I'm still working. So whenever I, you know, when we made this move to this new location, like the priority was the kids room. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you needed to have a spot for the children because if there's no spot for the children, I can't work out and I can't get my day done. And if I can't get it done, then my members can't get it done. So we moved for multiple reasons. We had some uh, issues with uh, noise complaints from a neighbor in my old location that just wasn't worth my energy or my mental state at that point. Yeah. Um, and thankfully we, we 
we, we are doing well um, and we needed more space. So it was like, we kind of had to move. That's amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, timing, you know, it definitely happened faster than I was hoping for, but yeah. timing's everything as we know, and the opportunity was there. So we took full advantage of it. Wow. So I would love to sort of dive into your story. Cause I think your story is really special and really powerful. And I, I know from knowing you how much your story like is what like influences the community you're building. Um, I would love for you to have an opportunity to sort of share how you became a mother, um, the challenges you face and how that impacted your relationship to your body and then your relationship to your business as well. Do you want, I'll just give you an open sort of floor to speak to it and then we'll, we'll go from there. Okay. Um, so I, I per, so my husband, let's start here. My husband and I got married in April of 2019, uh, with the intention of trying to have a baby relatively quickly. Uh, we weren't trying, but we definitely were doing activities to make that happen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and we also like at the same time, like as we, you know, we're spending a lot of time together, we purchased Babylon CrossFit, which was an existing CrossFit gym in October of 2019. So we purchased our CrossFit gym in October of 2019. Uh, and then I found out I was pregnant literally like the week before Christmas. So within a matter of two months of owning a business, I was pregnant, which was great. I, I was super grateful. It was super easy for me to get pregnant, which I know is a challenge for a lot of people, especially people within my community. So I was very hesitant, one, on where, let me start over. I, I had a very bad pregnancy and I was okay. miserable and uh, I was suicidal and I was super depressed and I, I like, I never had that type of experience in my whole entire life. I was never the person that was depressed or anything like that. Um, so when I, when I had the business and I'm dealing with moms and I'm dealing with clients, you know, even though I was going through all of this downfall, I was still the CrossFit coach that had to bring everybody else up. Mm-hmm. And that was a very big challenge for me as a person. Cause you have to um, sort of show up and like not come in with your own things that it sounds, I mean, being suicidal ever, but certainly during pregnancy when everyone thinks you're supposed to be so happy. Right. I mean, I think we know postpartum depression exists, but perinatal during pregnancy, that sounds very challenging. Yeah. And no one talks about it either. Like I didn't, I thought I was like abnormal. I was like, I didn't know what to do with myself. And I would be in my car. Like I remember I, I used to, I used to have a full-time job. So when we, when we purchased my business, I had a full-time job on top of it. So I remember being at my full-time job and I was a sales rep. So I got to drive around to like stores and I would literally park outside target and just cry and mm-hmm. fall asleep in my car. And like, I'd be like, this, this can't be like this for 10 months. Like, what am I going to do? And it was like that for a good portion of my pregnancy. And I, I remember going online and being like, there's not one person who speaks negative about being pregnant. And I get it. Like I'm not where I was going with my point before is like, I am super sensitive to the women that have those challenges and they can't get pregnant, but that's not to take away from people like me who are pregnant and literally need help and, and don't know what to do with themselves. And have never felt that way. And it was scary. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and I, everyone's like, Oh, you'll feel better. Like, I got to tell you, I didn't feel better. I don't know if it's because I owned a business. Uh, March 16th came, I'll never forget the date. They shut my gym down. So now after, what is it? Three or four months of ownership of a brand new business, 
they shut us down in New York. So that was also something, you know, that stress that you don't want to put onto yourself when you're pregnant and things like that. Then in addition to that, um, April 1st, no, it was actually April 13th. It was my wedding anniversary. So now we're in COVID, right? The gym shut down. We're all working from home. The whole world shut down in New York. April 13th, I get fired from my sales job. Oh my goodness. So while I'm pregnant, my husband and I lose our health insurance because I have the health insurance. In oh the my family. God. I feel ragey at the idea that your health insurance is threatened or linked or looped to your employment, especially you in the middle of a pandemic. How, how are we still, how are we still denying basic human rights to our citizens as a country? I do not know. It makes no sense. It truly makes no sense. And like me specifically in that moment, it was like my business wasn't established enough for me to get health insurance approved through anybody. Like I wouldn't be able just to add health insurance to my business. I mean, I probably could have for like a million dollars, but it would have been the same for my husband and I to pay out of pocket. So at that time when we lost my job and we lost our health insurance, my my husband at that time owned his own business. And he unfortunately had to close his business get a full-time job. So we had health benefits. Wow. So like, it wasn't just COVID for us. It was, you know, and again, I know we're not the only family who dealt with their challenges, but we, you know, we had a business closed down. We lost our health insurance. We had a miserable pregnancy, um, all happening at one time and also knew, uh, that I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, so then things started to, you know, months later got better. Uh, my husband and I decided that I hopefully would never have to go back to full-time work and that we could use the gym if the gym makes it out of this as my platform and as my position and my job. And Mm. I could be a stay-at-home mom while a business owner. Uh, But we didn't know. We didn't know what the future was. We didn't know when we were reopening in New York. And I remember June, I want to say it was like the end of June, they approved like outdoor classes. And at our old facility, we had a backyard area. So we were Mm. able to run backyard classes. So my husband and I, when I was eight months pregnant, because it was July and I was due August 31st. Oh my goodness. We were picking up these mats that I'm telling you, my members, when we just moved, complained about them. And I was like, the whole time I was like, stop complaining. I did it when I was eight months pregnant in 90 degree weather. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like you cannot complain. We shifted, we moved the whole backyard around. We cleaned it, we organized it. And and thankfully we were able to open rather, rather quickly than faster than any other gym in New York. Wow. Um, and we started running outdoor classes. So we ran outdoor classes in June, July, and August. Um, and that was before everybody else was able to open because no one else had outdoor space. So wow. we got our community in a little bit sooner, which actually really worked out because I was due in August. And my biggest fear was how am I going to afford to pay my coaches while I'm on maternity leave and having this baby and how am I going to operate a business? But Thankfully, it all streamlined that we opened early. We got the business. I literally coached. This is the other thing. June, July, August, I coached every single class almost. I coached an 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 4 p.m., 5 p.m., 6 p.m. class pregnant. And not, and that was my choice. Like, I, let me say this. My team, they were above and beyond, were more than willing to help me if I needed them to step in. We're going to work for free. But I didn't want people to work for free you know, just like I'm struggling, everyone else is struggling, right? Like they were all having their own personal challenges with COVID. Uh, It wasn't fair to them. So my husband and I were like, let's just try and get the business established. I'll work every class. We'll save money on salary. And then that way, when the baby comes, we can afford to pay them. And that's literally what we did. Like there were days that my members were like, sit down in a chair, your ankles are going to blow up. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
you know, we did that whole, like, we, we, we just figured it out that it worked. Um, you know, the one thing I will say throughout COVID and throughout my pregnancy as miserable and as hard as it was for me, the only thing that kept me going and mentally stable was working out. Um, so during COVID, that was when I decided to dive more into pregnancy and postpartum coaching because I was now coaching myself through pregnancy and I didn't know what was going on. And I wanted to learn about all these things because now my body's changing. And I know, you know, I knew certain things, but I didn't know all the things. And in CrossFit, they definitely offer education, but they're also hesitant on education, which they should be because every single pregnancy is different. Mm -hmm. So CrossFit, they'll have adaptive certifications. They'll have running certifications. But as of right now, they don't offer a pregnancy certification. And it's mostly because I don't know that they know the route to necessarily go Mm -hmm. because there's not one way, right? You can't tell one woman one thing because if I'm pregnant, you're pregnant, it's going to be different when we're doing a deadlift. So mm-hmm. I think that's something they're trying to navigate as well. And that's when I came across Brianna Battles. Uh, I found her certification and then I started to take her cert during my pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And I used all of her workouts and was doing outdoor workouts with my husband in our, on our, in our backyard. <laughs> people were staring at us like weirdos, especially because I'm pregnant and yeah. you know, pregnant people shouldn't work out and all that whole nonsense. So that's like, honestly, what really inspired me was like, one, I, I had to figure it out for myself. Two, I knew that when that baby got out of me, I wanted to work out right away and I wanted to work out smart and safe. Um, and then knowing my community and, Every person around me is either just getting married or they're in their early 20s or maybe they're in their late 20s or early 30s and they all have young families. So I needed to do it for this gym more than anything to learn more. And, you know, that's kind of like what led me to that direction. Yeah. And it sounds I mean, I love that you said it's like the the working out, the moving your body, the working with your body is the mental health care. Right. It's like that is such an important tool that so many people use. And there are definitely very mixed messages about working out while pregnant and working out in the postpartum time. Um, I wonder if you could share a little bit about how your birth unfolded and how that impacted that return to workout. Because I think that that's really something a lot of people are worried about. People who are fit and use, you know, working out as a way to manage their stress Absolutely. It's like, well, now I'm going to have a baby, I'm going to have additional stress. And now my body might not be able to move in the way it used to. What did that look like for you? Um, So let me start with this, like, just because you work out doesn't mean you're going to have the best delivery. And I think that's something that needs to change, like language that people use and things like that. Because they're like, oh, if you stay healthy the whole time, like your pregnancy is going to go well, and your delivery is going to be great. Like, that's not true. I was the fittest pregnant person you could possibly be. And my delivery went the exact opposite of what I ever thought it would have. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was due August 31st. And no, I'm lying. I was due August 23rd. Oh, wow. And so I was late. So the baby came August 31st. His birthday is August 31st. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was seven, eight days late, whatever that is. And I remember like at the end, I was trying everything. Like I was walking the curb. I was taking shots of whatever they tell you to drink. I was getting acupuncture. I was doing anything possible to get this baby out. Um, And we were, I'll never forget it. We were cleaning something in my room and my husband made me die laughing. And I just started peeing. Like I was crying laughing. And my water, I guess at that time we established my water slightly broke. Okay. Uh, My sister isn't, well, was an MP um, or is, I don't know how that works, (laughs) but she was an MP. So I remember calling her and 
I was like, do I have to go to the hospital now? Like, I think it might have been my water. And she's like, well, you're having contractions. And I was like, no. She's like, if you're not having contractions, you're not feeling pain. She's like, if you go to the hospital, you're just going to sit in a hospital bed. Mm -hmm. So she told me just to like, you know, try to get a good night of sleep. And then first thing in the morning, you know, as long as I can sleep, go to the hospital, which isn't the proper always medical advice. And people might not agree with that. But my sister and I are a little crazy. Um, I don't so, think it sounds crazy at all for the record. I think I would say this. I think those conversations about what happens if my water breaks before labor begins should be had in prenatal appointments so that you can trust your practitioner and trust your doctor or midwife. Um, I think end of pregnancy conversations should happen in prenatal appointments, but I don't think it's crazy to stay home at all. Yeah. And I didn't have any of those conversations, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I, I no longer will go to my gynecologist that I use during my delivery and, and I'll, I'll dive more into that. Um, but it was, I wasn't educated enough to know what was going on. So yeah. she told me just to relax. Um, I ended up waking up that morning, the next morning at 4am. Um, I, w- I went to the bathroom and I was bleeding. And then my water broke a little bit more. And then I was in full. Like, then we knew we were, I was in labor. So we stopped. We got a, a bagel and a Nesquik because they also tell you not to eat before you go into labor. I did that because I was starving. And I was like, I'm not going to not eat. Um, yeah, you need, so I got you my, need food to labor. Yeah, I got my carbs yeah. and my Nesquik. <laughs> we drove to the hospital. Um, we By the time we got there, it was probably like 6.30 in the morning. Uh, I was in immediate pain. Um uh, my, I wasn't fully dilated. So I was just about like, I think a centimeter dilated. And again, I didn't do a doula or any, I didn't know the education behind it at that point. So it was just me and the nurses and I opted for an epidural right away. Um, and then they opted to put me on Pitocin right away to help me dilate. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, during that time when they put me on the Pitocin, the baby's heart rate started to, jack up. So then they decided to take me off the Pitocin and see if I can naturally dilate, which I sort of did, but not really. I got to like four centimeters. Um, now the concern was at this point was that my water broke the night before and I had to deliver within 24 hours. Um, again, this is what the hospital's telling me. I don't know what's right, what's wrong. Um, I have to deliver within 24 hours to avoid infection and all of that. So now the time crunch for me to dilate is coming back. So they're like, listen, we're going to try the Pitocin again. Um, now all in this time. So now we're talking from like 6am to 1011 and my OBGYN still hasn't showed up. No, it's like his on-call person, somebody I don't know, nothing. Haven't heard from him. He hasn't called, checked in with my husband or I or anything. Uh, so they put us back on the Pitocin and then I dilate. So now it's probably like noon or 1pm and I'm 10, 10 centimeters, 11 centimeters dilated, whatever it is. So they try to have me start pushing um, nothing's happening. Mm. They're like trying to teach me to release my pelvic floor right there in labor. And I don't understand what any of this it's means. It's not really the like, time to learn, I guess. It's not, not, not the time to coach people through it. I will say that. I was like, and I, I, the one thing I instantly regretted in that moment was like, I should have went to a pelvic floor therapist to learn a little bit more about this before I did it because mm. I knew there was education behind it that I just was I was stubborn, but at the same time, we were living in COVID, right? There was a lot happening behind the scenes that it wasn't that accessible for me to go there. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. The baby's heart rate is jacking. So then I think they took me back off the Pitocin, if I remember, and we stopped trying to deliver for a little bit. And then then this was the best part. It was literally like th- three or four o'clock, whenever there's a shift change in the hospital, mm-hmm. 
And I remember the lady that was working with us, the OBGYN that was on call, she was like, all right, we're going to try and push one more time. If it doesn't happen, we're going to switch doctors. And then like, you guys will handle it from there. And I was like, okay, like, cool. So we tried to push one more time and then like, it didn't work. So then they switched staff, like I guess doctors switched or whatever it was. And then the next lady came in and she's like, you could see she got nervous relatively quickly. And she's like, listen, I'm going to have you try and push one more time. If I don't feel the baby's head, she's like, we're going to go into a C-section. So then it went from being super calm to the baby's no longer breathing. His heart rate has completely dropped. We need to rush her into an emergency section within seconds. Wow. Like it literally shift change happened. And then all of a sudden it went from we're now like, this is trouble. Like something bad's happening. I remember them taking my husband out of the room, changing him into the OR clothes and moving our stuff around. Um, and it happened so fast that I remember he went to go change and I was already in the room cut open and he almost missed the delivery. Oh my goodness. So the baby comes out. We didn't know the gender at the time. Um, we had one nurse that we knew. So again, COVID, no families allowed, nothing, nobody's around us. My sister had a friend in there, Kelly, and Kelly stayed past her shift. She came in, and the baby comes out, and he's not breathing. So mm. baby's out. We don't know if it's a boy. We don't know if it's a girl. He's just purple. It's purple at that point. We didn't know what it was. So Kelly went into the other room to, like, you know, just to kind of make us feel better. And she's like, it's a boy. Um, and she's like, they don't know the gender. They don't know the gender. Like, what is it? Like, it was just they were so concerned for Jaden, who's mm. a boy now. Um, they were so concerned for Jaden's life that they took him right into that room to pretty much revive him. Um, and Steve and I, my husband, had we had no idea what was going on. Throughout my C-section, I threw up three times. Mm. Uh, I was I can cry just thinking about it. <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. It was the scariest thing because they like literally pin you down to a table. And you can't move your arms and you can't do anything. And it's like, and I just remember my husband looking at me and being like, he's not breathing. He's not okay. He's not breathing. He's okay. And I'm just high on drugs at that point. And I'm like, he's fine. Everything's fine. But he wasn't fine, you know? And so they, they got him to breathe. He was on tubes. He was put on oxygen. Um, now it's like, this is like five or six o'clock at night that we delivered him. And I was so sick. I was in so much pain. I was so sick. Um, I remember going into post-op after and being in post-op and still getting sick. Like I was like having hot flashes. My temperature was all off. I was like, we bought a fan for like, I don't know why. I think I bought like the the stroller fan and I put it in my like home hospital bag. I read it on one of the checklists and I was like, get the fan out. I was like, I just needed to air my face. So it was like 11 o'clock at night. And now my husband and I, neither one of us have met the baby. So now Jaden was born at like six um, and five hours goes by and neither one of us has seen him. So I said to my husband, I was like, go find him. I'm like, go find him. Make sure he's okay. Like, I just want to know that he's fine. Like, cause neither one of us is like, yeah, they're going to tell you he's in the NICU, but like you want to see your kid. Right? right. So now it's 11 o'clock at night. Steve got to go to the NICU. He went and saw the baby, made me feel better. Fine. Uh, they finally got me into like the postpartum area at like 1am. Um, cause like the hospital was busy. So finally 1am, they bring me, this is the wild part. They bring me into the postpartum room and they start talking about shaking baby syndrome and don't do this to the baby. And I'm like, I literally looked at the lady. I was like, I don't mean to be rude, but I haven't met my baby yet. 
one, I haven't met my child. Right. Two, I'm fucking dying. Right. Okay. Three, I have been awake for almost 24 hours. Oh my God. Do you think anything you just said to me has value for me not killing my baby when I leave this hospital? Oh I'm, I just want to know. Trish, I love, I love that. Because because what stupidity is that? Like, and, and it was probably important information, right? It's like, totally I'm sure. important, but it's not, it's, it's but only. There's a time and a place to have a conversation with me about it. Not at 1 a.m., not when I had three epidurals, not when I'm on oxycodone because I'm dying, not when I just try to push out of my vagina for, you know, five hours and I couldn't do it, that I feel like a failure. Like, back off, lady. So, like, I would, I'll never forget, I was so rude. So then, 1 a.m., still not allowed to go up to see my baby. Now they tell me that the NICU's close, and I'm not allowed up there. Oh, I'm sorry. This, I'm, like, being quiet because I want to give you the space to tell your story, but I have to tell you, as someone who, number one, like, had a fairly traumatic, similar story of, like, high high intervention due to lack of education on my part, I'm feeling angry at your story and at your treatment. I'm angry that we need to be super educated before we go into birth to be protected. But the thing I keep hearing is how they did not care at all about about your baby meeting its mother. There is this complete separation of how the hospital views babies, that they are this thing, as long as it's got a pulse and a breath, it's cared for. And who cares what happens to the mother and who cares if that baby and mother connect and have their hormonal exchange and have skin to skin and have. Well, then, then that's the fear, right? Period. Then in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm not going to breastfeed. I didn't get that. You know, I didn't get that chance. Like, cause you know, everything you read, it's like, Oh, the baby has to come to you right away. He has to latch you right away. And I was like, now that's at the window. Like they're obviously in the NICU feeding him formula. Like he has to eat. Right. Like there's none of that. So like, so I, so my husband, my husband left the hospital because we have a dog and I was like, listen, just go home. You get rest. Like there's nothing you can do. I was like, you leave. I'm totally fine. I will try to close my eyes. Cause at that point they told me I couldn't go to the NICU. They told me the next time I could see the baby was at 6am the next morning. So I waited, I tried to sleep, right? Cause you're going to sleep when you haven't met the kid that you carry for 10 months, who made you want to kill yourself. Right. <laughs> I'm like, so I remember waiting and I, every half hour and then, you know, they come into the room, like you fall asleep finally. And then they come to the room and they wake you up. Cause that's also what they do to you. And so probably at like 5am, there was another shift change. So like, as soon as their shift change, we'll let you go in. So, so you didn't meet your baby until over 12 hours later. Almost. 20, uh, I didn't get it. They didn't let me up into the NICU until 8am. Trish. I Wait, can it gets worse. It gets worse. Oh it gets God. worse. How? How could it get worse? So I delivered a cat in New Hyde Park. And at this oh, time, well, that cats doesn't had, surprise me at all, unfortunately. Cats had construction going on. Yeah. So like, there was only certain ways that you can get up to the NICU. Yeah. So again, had a C-section. You're not supposed to walk, right? Right. These fucking ladies made me walk up to the NICU. Wow. When I should have been in a wheelchair. Right. Now keep in mind. Fast forward, which we'll hop into, my C-section reopened two times. Maybe it had to do with the amount of motion I had within the first 24 hours of my C-section by myself because no one educated me or helped me throughout. Right. And just like to be totally fair to the hospital, although that hospital has a reputation for many, 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 many stories, just like yours, Trish, where it is doctor-centered, it is hospital-centered, it is absolutely ignorant to the mother baby experience i'm i'm raging 
on your behalf. No, I literally, I had a member, I had a gym member who worked there and I called her and I was like, I hate to ask you for a favor. I said, but these postpartum people that are around me, they don't care about me. They're refusing to give me antibiotics. They're refusing to give me drugs. I was like, so I called her and she sent, she called the supervisor and she got two of her friends to come in and take care of me. And then shit changed real fast because of a gym member though. You shouldn't need no. You shouldn't need to know someone. I actually just recorded a podcast with the amazing, incredible Jenny Joseph, who's a black midwife who's like just absolutely at the end of her rope as far as it comes to like, you know, racism in the maternal health care system. And she's like, you know, everybody ignores the issues because I know someone and because like I have, you know, a connection here. And so people can like skate through the system and they don't have to fix the issues because they know someone. But like, You shouldn't have to know someone to get basic human care after giving birth. That, that is not okay. It's just not okay. It was insane. It was truly insane. And I didn't know any different, right? Until I got out and then like I speak to somebody like you or I speak to Laura of the nesting place and like, I didn't know anything. Like I I didn't know that, you know, and, and we go back and forth on having like a second child and I still don't know like if I'm a VBAC candidate or anything like that. I'm you are child. knowing literally nothing about you. You are just so you know, like that's the- I want to just give you like a very direct, you are a VBAC candidate because you have a vagina. Um, and if, if you're pregnant, you're a VBAC candidate, I guess. Um, just please call me when that happens. I VBAC is my thing. Um, it is, you have to talk to the right people and I will tell you who those people are and get you in the right get you the support team you need but that's not to say like there's so much validity and like I don't want to go through that I want to control things I want to have a repeat c-section I totally cheer you on for that but yeah. I go back and forth on it At the end of the day I'm an athlete and I'm freaking competitive you can ask anybody in this gym and yeah I know I didn't fail but there's a part of me that feels like I failed and again I was able to dilate and I went to a pelvic floor therapist postpartum and we spoke a lot about it. I went to Dr. Liz Tara Wellness. And Dr. Liz is like, listen, I can't say that I could have got you to deliver naturally. She's like, but she's like, the way you're releasing your pelvic floor, it you weren't doing. It seems as if you weren't doing correctly. She's like, again, I can't say that because I didn't see you when you were pregnant. Right. But she's like, if we were to work together while you were pregnant, there's a good chance that we could have avoided a C-section. There's which to me right. is mind-boggling. Oh yeah, I mean, the thing is. One in two women who are walking into the hospital you gave birth are having C-sections, which tells you it is not you and your body. It is the people around you, the people who gave you bad information, um, the people that, you know, didn't have the same goals as you. Well, I just want to say something like on a personal note, because I, same thing, I like went in wanting a certain birth, had a vision of myself, and then like ended up in the C-section that was like necessary due to heart rate. It was fetal distress, but it's not like babies just go into distress on their own. I just want to like dispel that. They don't go in that position. They, they go into distress because of the Pitocin, because of the epidural, because of the, all of these factors and these hospital interventions that interrupt the, the quote unquote natural, like hormonal process that happens, the physical process between the mother and the baby. Um, So So when you find practitioners and support teams, it's not just hiring a midwife or hiring a doctor that has aligned goals. It's going to get that childbirth education. It's hiring a doula. It's having people seeing the pelvic floor therapist. It's like, just like with CrossFit, like you you don't just overnight get the thing you want. You have to work 
towards it. You set goals. You set yourself up. Well, and, that, and that's the disconnect. Like what you're saying is the disconnect. Like I have, I have five female, four, let's call it four females that around me that are pregnant, that are all CrossFitters. Um, and they hear doula, they hear midwife and they think it's like this holistic. Think birth it's like natural here. birth. It's not. But, and I, and I did too. I'm yeah. not, I'm not judging. Them Most people I do. Don't. I thought the same thing until I got the education, eh, but too late. And I am pushing these people that I'm like, listen, I have one girl, my, one of my good friends, she's doing a home birth. She's, I mean, a water birth. She's doing a water birth. She lives in Connecticut. That's what she wants to do. I have another friend who's, she doesn't care. She just wants a healthy baby. But like, I'm like, listen, go to the birthing education class just so you know your options. Because I didn't know that I didn't need to take that upper door right then and that I could have walked the hallway or bounced on a ball. Like they're not going to tell you those things and they're going to rob you of those things. And the people that care about you are these coaches that are meant to do this. And that's all they are. They are the ones that are going to educate you on the decisions that you make. They're not going to stop you from doing what you and your husband want to do, but they will educate you on this is what could potentially happen if you take the Pitocin. This is what happens if you take the epidural now. That whole part to your point is completely disconnected. Completely. You know, I have to say like, so Part of it, though, is that me and my first birth, you for your birth, we went in as intelligent, curious creatures and women and future mothers that expected to be well cared for by our team. And I know there's that part of you because I had it too of like, I failed, right? But it's not a failure to go in trusting your team. You're supposed to be able to trust your team. The trick in America is that your team often cannot be trusted. And that sucks. I don't have better language for it, but it just sucks that women can't just walk into literally any OB care provider, whether it's a doctor or midwife, and just say, hi, I'm pregnant. I trust you. And let's have a conversation. It's just not the reality of giving birth in America. And so many of us are finding out the hard way, the hard way by not being informed because we didn't know we needed to be informed and then getting traumatized by just routine. What you are describing is routine obstetrical care in America. And it is dangerous for the babies and it is dangerous for the mothers. And like, even if you take the physical danger out, which you can't because women are dying in our country more than they are in any other developed country by a lot. And it's increasing, but there's also this emotional experience to not be able to touch or meet your baby for 15 hours. I know. I, so I literally I posted pictures of Jaden. I posted pictures of Jaden on Instagram before I met him. Holy I'll never forget shit. that. I'll never forget that in the back of my head. I was like, I posted pictures of Jaden, and the only, and honestly, like the, I posted it before I met him because our family wanted to send out pictures, and I was like, I want, I want to be the one to put it out there um, oh that we had God. the baby. So I was like, I had the pressure from my family, so I was like, all right, whatever, like we'll just post it on Instagram so everyone can share the news. Fine. But I didn't even get a chance to meet him yet. And I felt that pressure and I did it, which I wasn't happy with. To go back to your point about the medical and like everyone, like another, so I'm no longer with my OB during this delivery. And we'll talk about like my C-section after this. But when I went in uh, at six months and I, this was when I, or seven months, whatever I was, and I was in the middle of the Brianna Battles course, I started to learn about diastasis recti and coning and all of that. So I remember talking to my OB and he goes to me and I was like, listen, I was like, I noticed I started having some ab separation and some core issues. And he goes to me, he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, you're good. And I was like, all right, but like, what about like my abs? Like, you know, I want to make sure I'm controlling my core. 
to like make sure I don't hurt myself or anything like that. And he's like, well, he's like, your abs will never look the same. You'll need to get surgery. Like you'll have to get, uh, I don't even know what it's called. Cosmetic surgery to fix my abs. And that's truly, that was like my last straw that I was like, and I literally turned around him and I was like, not for nothing from somebody who's a CrossFit affiliate owner. Um, and you know, trains people. I was like, you're wrong. Right. I said, and you should never say that to another person again. Good and like, man. I literally said it to him and I was just like, because I was like, that's the most uneducated thing you could tell someone. One, two, you can't control diastasis recti mm-hmm. people. You cannot control it. No matter what you do, you don't do anything wrong. It's going to happen naturally. What you can control is the extent of it and the movement that you do to help it and strengthening and things like that. But he made me feel like your abs are screwed. You're never going to have them again. And like, again, for me, didn't matter that I wasn't going to have abs again. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't hurting my body at that time. And he didn't have the education. And that's what made me dive deeper into wanting to learn more and help other pregnant women and just be there for them, like to answer these questions and things like that. My personal story driven, drove me to help other women in pregnancy and postpartum. And those of you women that are in the gym or you are crossfitting and you you pee when you jump or you pee when you do box jumps or you're worried about your core, like find the right person to speak to. And that could be me, right? Like I am the person that you want to speak to. I am so passionate about it that I'm now going to the in-person seminar with Brianna Battles in Idaho because who wants to go to Idaho, right? I love that. Yeah. So I'm going in September for a weekend for like an exclusive in-person to, you know, expand my education on it. Um, I just want to help women. That's all, that's all I care about. I want to make sure women have the answers that they need. Um, I had some girl follow me, uh, who I'm working with currently. She is about almost a half hour away from my gym. She has a son. I think he's about 10 or 11 months now. And she just followed me personally on my Instagram and saw me doing toast bar. And she was just like, I can't do these. Meanwhile, this girl is fitter and faster and better than me at everything right now. And I'm almost two years postpartum. Wow. But she just needed someone to believe in her and have the confidence and speak to her about what's happening with her body and direct her to a pelvic floor therapist. Uh, and if you don't know this, because your gynecologist won't tell you this, like there is a big disconnection between fitness gynecologist and pelvic floor therapist. Yes. And there has to be a uniting chapter. And for me, like that's who I want to be on Long Island. Um, I, I don't care if you don't go to my CrossFit gym. I don't care if you go to a competitive CrossFit gym five minutes down the road. You can call me. You can DM me. You can email me. I will be there for you because I know that the male owners don't know, don't have the education. And it's not that they don't care to have the education. It's just that no one's teaching them this because there's there's something missing. And I want to be that solution, at least for the ladies locally and virtually, if I can. I love it. Trish, you are a an incredible human being. I am really grateful for you for coming on here and for being so vulnerable about your story. It is, it's so important. People need to hear these stories because it's the truth of what is happening in American hospitals. It's happening all over the country. Um, and people who are smart and powerful and fit and whatever can like fall into this trap because they're not armed with the information and the support. And so I'm really grateful that you came to share and that you use your traumatic experience to now help other people have that information and support. It's incredible. Yeah. And last, but most importantly with body image and having a baby, like you're not supposed to get back to where you were. 
Like your body is not supposed to look the way it is. You find the strength in the body after your baby has it and you can find it. It might not look the same, but you will have it. I've never felt as strong as I do as I do now. That's beautiful. Yeah. And that's like the dead honest truth. So just, I'm going to cry again. You're really good at this, Caitlin. Maybe I'm pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you are. I'm not. For when my crossfitters listen to this, I'm not pregnant. I promise. Oh, awesome. Trish, you are amazing. I'm so glad I know you. Thank you for all of this. This was Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure.